Welcome into another episode of Will's Wide World of Sports. Today's episode, uh, we are reacting to everything that happened on a busy Tuesday night uh, here on the West Coast. First, we had the NBA Draft Lottery, the Spurs getting the number one pick, and presumably Victor Wimbanyama. And then a, a really entertaining uh, game one of the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers and Nuggets. My girlfriend Marlisha came back on, and we just reacted right after the game to everything that we saw moving forward and then previewed a little bit of uh, Celtics Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. So lots of NBA, starting with the draft lottery, coming up next. The NBA draft lottery just happened. Just a few minutes ago, we saw the San Antonio Spurs get the, the number one pick. Obviously, that's most likely going to be uh, Victor Wembanyama. We have, uh, you know, uh, over a month to do NBA draft stuff. So I just want to give uh, kind of my initial reaction of, of the, the lottery as a whole, but mainly, obviously, the Spurs getting the first pick. Everyone's talking about how the, the Spurs are the perfect organization for, for Victor. All the international players that they've had from Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, how it's going to be a great fit, and I 100% agree. I want to I talk through how he's going to fit, but then I also want to touch on some of the other teams that didn't get the number one pick and, and, and the consequences there. Um, but let's start, with, let's start with the Spurs. Obviously not, not a great year for the Spurs doing a, a rebuild, which seemed impossible like five years ago, but that's what happens when Duncan is gone, Ginobili's gone, Parker's gone. Kawhi Leonard's out. Of course, they trade DeJounte Murray, who was sort of their, their latest star. They ship him off to the Hawks last year. And, and this was the plan. The Spurs, you know, a year ago, everybody knew about Wimbanyama, and, and they certainly did as well. And they saw, like, okay, do we keep DeJounte? And do we kind of middle around? Like, I, I don't think they were a playoff team, even if they kept him, even if they kept Derek White and some of their other players. So they made the start, smart decision in that, okay, let's, let's quote-unquote tank for this year. Let's just start collecting young players, give them a chance, and then give, our, give ourselves a chance to not just win the lottery, but possibly even the lottery of you know, the last 20 years. Now, will, will Wimbanyama live up to that hype? That's another conversation. But the Spurs were smart, and they saw an opportunity to, to tank and, and to get a player that could set them up for the next 20 years exactly the same way that Tim Duncan did, and to a lesser extent, David Robinson. So I, I think it's funny that the, so the Spurs have been really only bad three years, and yet those three years, they've gotten three generational players. You know, Tim Duncan... Probably widely considered a top 10 player all time. David Robinson, considered one of the best big guys of all time. And now we'll see with Victor Wembanyama. I think from an organization standpoint, he's going into a great, great position. It'll be interesting to see what, what Greg Popovich decides. Because he knew like there was a possibility that this could happen. And, and he was probably thinking all this past season... Like, okay, is it time to retire? I've had my run. Like, do I want to 
build it up again. But getting somebody like Wembenyama, that's going to that's going to speed up their rebuild. So taking a quick look at, at their roster and, and kind of who who's worth keeping, I think long term there's really only only three players that I see as part of their core. Obviously Wembenyama, he's going to be the core uh, for the Spurs. Hopefully in their sake for the, the next 20 years. I really like what I see out of Devin Vassell, uh, the guard out of Florida State. He's a guy that I think really took a step up this, this year with more opportunity. And that's the maybe positive consequence of a rebuilding team is you get good opportunity for players like Vassell. You know, if, if Vassell is on the Warriors, let's say, I think he he still excels and, and still shows promise, but it's completely different than being able to be a number two and sometimes even a number one on a team. Now, granted, that's you're not going to get wins that way, but for someone like him, I think we learned he's, a, he's an actual player and somebody, I think, that can be a part of their team moving forward. And then the third one is Jeremy Sohan for me. Now, some might say Keldon Johnson. I, I think he's a good player. I think he's somebody that was probably wrongfully forced into the number one option this year. But to me, he's not necessarily a lock for their core moving forward. I think he can be a, a nice complimentary piece. But to me, he fits closer to you know a, a Tobias Harris role for the 76ers. So to me, Sohan, I think, is a, the more sure thing in terms of, of being on the Spurs the next, you know, 10 years. Yes, he, he has his limitations. If you watched his free throws, if you watched some of his shooting, not great, but that's not what he's there for. You know, if, if you remember back last year, he was a lottery picket out of Baylor for a reason. And that reason was his athleticism and mainly his defense. I mean, even, even sometimes last year, he was running point guard for them. So there's a potential for like a Draymond Green type type role for him. And someone like that is perfect next to Wimbanyama, at least on the, the defensive side. Because Sohan will be someone that can, you know, run around with the, the more, more active and more athletic, quicker forwards and leave Wimbanyama, you know, off to kind of play, you know, this semi-free safety, use his length to, to cover everybody else. Because I think as, as good as Wembenyama could be on the defensive end, you, you need other players who can play defense. You know, having one really good defender doesn't really mean much if the other four are just traffic cones. So Sohan, Wembenyama, I think, could be a really good defensive backcourt. Offensively, you know, I think Sohan... We'll, we'll have to learn to, to fit around Wimbanyama, but I think there's, there's potential there, even if he, he doesn't turn into an a even average three-point shooter. Do I think the Spurs are going to make the playoffs next year? At, it's putting a lot of pressure on Wimbanyama because as much as I love Vassell, as much as I think Sohan uh, is a great piece, Kelton Johnson's still there, Trey Jones, solid point guard, let's say. The NBA is so deep, like that's putting a lot of pressure on Wembenyama. That doesn't mean I don't think he could do it, 
I wouldn't be totally surprised if he if he leads the Spurs to a a play in berth. But I think as of right now, the Spurs have some building to do. Which is fair. They had one of the worst records. We're not expecting them to to suddenly jump up. But getting Wembenyama just elevates and and speeds up their timeline like I mentioned that obviously the Spurs they're going to be set. We have have plenty of time to talk about whether he will live up to the expectation, what his career trajectory will be. But I think right now, obviously the Spurs, great organization uh, and some, some nice pieces, but obviously they have some, some work to do as well. I just want to spend a couple minutes on some of the other teams and, and unfortunately for them, not getting Wembenyama and what that means moving forward. Now, Detroit, they're the, the big losers, obviously. They, they had the worst record this past year obviously fall to number five. And I mean, that's the point of the lottery, right? We're supposed to have some way to, to prevent tanking. And I'm not saying the Pistons purposely tanked. Obviously losing Kate Cunningham for the year, that obviously throws a wrench into things. So I'm not saying they purposely tanked, but that's what the system is there for. Now is falling one to five a, a great thing? I, I don't know. You know, maybe falling from one to three, maybe allowing the the worst record to have somewhere in the first three spots. Maybe that's fair, but I think either way, obviously a big blow to Detroit. If Cunningham comes back next year and and is healthy, and if if Jaden Ivey, if Duran, even James Wiseman, even if some of those guys take a step up, I think they still have a bright future. But it it obviously would have been. Uh, Certainly a lot brighter with Wembenyama, or even falling to two or three. I think somebody like Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, their consolation prizes maybe to Wembenyama, but that doesn't mean they're, they're high-quality players. So I think even Detroit falling out of that spot is tough and obviously uh, certainly disappointing for them. Charlotte sitting at number two, and... And for the next month, I think everybody's going to debate Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. The initial thought is, okay, take Brandon Miller because they need wings. They obviously have Lamella Ball as well. I'm of the thought that I don't care what sport, but when you're drafting players, take the best player available and and figuring out from there, especially if you're picking this high. You know, this this is one thing if the Celtics are picking 28th, if the, the Lakers are picking 30th, if these teams that are trying to win now and have a specific need, that's one thing. But if you're picking at number two, you're picking at number two for a reason. And that's not because, oh, you're missing this one particular position. You're picking at two because you need talent. So to me, Scoot Henderson would be the pick. How would he fit with LaMelo? I, I don't think that's a bad fit necessarily. I think in this league, you need multiple lead guards and multiple people who can, can control the, the pace and attack off the dribble. Even if they don't fit, again, I think you take the best pay, player available and figure it out from there. Who knows? Maybe LaMelo won't be in Charlotte long term. Then you have somebody in Scoot Henderson that you can go from there. So regardless of who they pick, I think number three is going to be the, the biggest 
storyline, and that's, of course, the Portland Trailblazers, who jump into the top four and get number three. That's going to be really interesting because, obviously, they didn't get number one. Whoever got number one was going to stick at number one. They didn't even get number two, which, again, I think most people would pick Scoot Henderson number two. So now Portland's sitting at three, and they have to think, okay, we, I think, made a good pick last year in Shaden Sharp, who's, who showed some real promise. They obviously have some decent role players in, in Simons, Jeremy Grant. But the question is, do we keep Dame and try to build around him? And if so, does someone like Brandon Miller, does he help? Or do we trade the pick? Or, you know, a, a Pascal Siakam, a Mikhail Bridges. For somebody that's we actually know is going to help. Because that's not to say that Brandon Miller or even Scoot Henderson doesn't mean they couldn't turn into a really good player. But you can't, you can't spend years developing when, when your star player is ready now. That's, that's part of the, been the problem with, with Shaden Sharp, who they drafted last year. I, I think he showed a lot of promise. But there's also a reason they were picking this high. He shows promise. Simons is, has showed promise. But if the Blazers are going to win with Dame, it has to happen now. So, again, that, that leaves them those two options, either taking somebody, trading the pick, or the third option is trading Dame. Now, uh, lots of people say, you know, don't trade one of the best players in the league. Really, one of the best players of his generation. And, and while that's true, and while I commend the, the commitment between both, uh, both Dame and the Blazers, at some point, if you're going to get value for him, it has to be at some point. Because sure, they can write out, you know, hit the tail end of his prime. Maybe they win something, maybe they don't. At some point, he's going to lose value. So if the, the Blazers are convinced that that Shade and Sharp, potentially Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, if they think those two are legit, then okay, maybe it is time to trade Dame, build around a couple young guys, and start from there. Now, I don't think that, that will happen. And really, I don't think it should happen unless, unless Dame is on board. I think it's one of those things that he's meant so much to the organization, so much to the city. He's given so much to the city that you don't trade him unless he's on board. And almost treating it like, okay, you've been great, uh, but we're going to move you to you know, a, a Philadelphia or someplace like that, a Brooklyn somewhere that, that we think you would have a better chance of winning. You know, we saw that in the Pacific Northwest before. We've seen that uh, in baseball with Ichiro and the Mariners. Ichiro was amazing for the Mariners, but didn't make the playoffs outside of his rookie year. And while it pained us as Mariners fans, it was the right thing to do. Say, hey, Ichiro, we're not winning at this point. We think we have a path moving forward but we're going to trade you to someone that actually has a chance of winning and potentially giving you something. So 
I think those are the three options for, for Portland. Either keep Dame and keep the pick, keep Dame and trade the pick, or make the decision to move on from Dame. Either way, I think number three is the biggest com- conversation point, I guess, for the next month. But either way, I think it's going to be a really interesting draft. Obviously, we know what the Spurs are doing at number one, but the draft starts at number two and three, plus the whole rest of the lottery and the whole rest of the the draft itself. So we got, what, about a month, a little over a month until the the draft, so plenty of time to talk about it. I do want to spend some time talking about the the Nuggets and Lakers, uh, which are is playing tonight as well. So after the break, uh, my girlfriend Marlich is coming back on. We are going to be talking at, uh, talking about the game, how it went. Uh, but first, let's take a quick break. We are taping this part of the podcast late Tuesday night here on the West Coast. Just got done watching a surprisingly thrilling Lakers Nuggets uh, game one of the mm-hmm. Western Conference Finals. I say surprising because it looked like for uh, yeah, I guess. M- Multiple times during the game, it looked like the Nuggets were going to run away with it, just like they've done all throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But credit to the Lakers, stuck with it, played all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, of course, Nuggets coming out victoriously um, behind Jokic and his uh, monster triple level. To me, the big takeaway is it's going to be a really good series, which I think we all thought going in. But what did, what did you think after... After watching game one. Yeah, I mean, I knew coming into it that it was going to be a good matchup. And I think that, yeah, I think Nug- the Nuggets hit a lot of good shots. Um, you know, hopefully they can, or not hopefully, but because right now I'm a Lakers fan and not mm-hmm. any other Thank thing you. since my Warriors have been kicked out by the Lakers. But hey, um, oh, don't, anyway. Don't worry, we'll have the whole summer to talk about the Warriors mm-hmm. in there. Sure. But yeah, so I think, you know, credit to them, they hit a lot of shots. But I think to what you're saying as far as that it being a good series, like, you know, who knows if they'll make those same amount of shots the next game. Um, but I think the, I, I think it was a good matchup. I think the Lakers stood um, stuck with it. And I think that was surprising to watch. Like, they were pretty consistent offensively and made some adjustments. And then fourth quarter, we're able to, um, yeah, limit the, uh, the runs. I guess from the from the Nuggets perspective and on their side. It, yes, like you said, I mean Jokic is three at the end of the mm-hmm. end of the quarter. Can't remember. The the three hits over Davis. Uh Murray's shot over LeBron. He kind of throws up. Like both those go in. And it's those shots, like after the, those go in, you know, as a Lakers fan, you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, credit to them. They're playing great. It's just their day. It is what it is. So, you know, you obviously can't expect, you can't expect to score 134 points or however many points they scored. So from that perspective, like, okay, they have to be better. But at the same time, it's not like the Lakers just played average. Like, the Lakers aren't necessarily a shooting team. Mm -hmm. And they were making shots too. Yeah. So you have to expect, obviously, the point total to go down on both sides. Jokic, you know, there's a reason why a lot of people thought he should have won MVP. Like he's very, very good. Mm-hmm. And I will admit that as a Lakers fan. <laughs> he, especially in the first half, I think the Nuggets jumped out, whether it's the altitude, whether it was 
just trying to take control of game one, whether it was uh, Mark Jackson doing the game on ESPN and, and Jokic was mad at him. Whatever it is, yeah, they were ready. So credit to them. I would be a little bit concerned about how the second half played out if I was a Nuggets fan mm-hmm. because I think mm-hmm. the Lakers figured stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I think we learned like as much as it frustrates Lakers fans to see the inconsistency mm-hmm. of the Lakers, they are, they are smart, unlike what some people think. Like I think they're smart. They make adjustments. I would say they being LeBron James. And the coaching staff. Uh, you asked me before the game started, like, do I trust the coaches? Before, like, during the season, I was like, no, mm-hmm. I, like, I don't, he's a rookie head coach. I, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, like, I, I want our old coach back, please. But I think this playoffs has really shown, like, him and then the whole staff, like, they make adjustments, like, they try stuff. Mm-hmm. They, they see what works and they go after it. And the changes, which we can get into, like, they seem to work. Mm-hmm. And so, moving into game two, the, the Nuggets are going to have to, you know, respond and make their own changes yeah i mean i think particularly for the lakers like i think it's really lebron who makes the adjustments i think ad is consistent and he's scoring your 40 points <laughs> i think well, she's... if you can consistently score 40 i will 100 i mean that. consistent and like that's his role he needs to put up points in order for the lakers to do like anything he has to be putting up a good amount of stats not necessarily yeah everybody knows it's it Lakers, you know, well, not this, not with this series, but last series with the Warriors, it was like, the AD's doing well, no. then the Lakers should take it all. Um, this time he's, meet, he's met his match with Jokic, but I think I specifically saw LeBron hugely make a difference in the fourth quarter, right? Like, he was definitely playing some defense, right? That's obviously when the lead, I mean, you know, when they're, they're not, they were only down, what, by 10, I think at that point, mm-hmm. after Reeves hit a couple threes, but um, when you watch him in the first and even the second quarter, like he's pretty much coasting um, and he makes a huge difference for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else is trying their hardest, right? Because they're not as good as him or not as knowledgeable as him. But mm-hmm. I think it's specifically him because he'll facilitate. He'll do those things. He'll step it up. And that creates energy for them. I mean, I would also, again, like shout out the coaching staff because okay, I don't think I it's think, But I think all coaches are great, right? They have to be able to make some sort of adjustments. You would you would think that yes sure that should be the job and so yet some don't and not to get on the whole coaches mm-hmm. side sidebar here um, obviously when when fans when we see from the outside like the Bucks are a good example their coach was fired you know you see them like on the outside say wait you're just doing the same thing like mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler's torching you you haven't changed anything mm-hmm. I would like to have some benefit of the doubt for these coaches that are doing it for a living and doing it full-time mm-hmm. i'm sure they talked through and went through lots yeah, of different things yeah. um, but i i do think some coaching staffs are better than others at sure. changing on the fly yeah um, but i agree lebron is he's at that point where he knows like okay we just need to win four games i don't have to dominate the whole time because right. i can't right i will let ad do take it mm-hmm. reeves take it and whenever he can mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, fourth quarter. And I think that that's the only reason why I'm a little disappointed or a little worried that we didn't get the win today. Is that like, okay, it was a blowout. And they came back, yes. But like LeBron, I think he saw the fourth quarter. He's like, oh. Yeah. Like, I think like this is my time. Let me, let me mm-hmm. try to get there. And I think I 
turned to you at some point and said, oh, if the Lakers come back, like this is a huge loss for Denver. And I think LeBron sensed that. So obviously a little bit short. Yeah. But I think, you know, let's say LeBron has 100 points of energy, 100% energy. Mm -hmm. Like he had to burn like 20% on this, on this game. Right. For a loss. That'd be my only, only downside from the comeback is they expelled a lot of energy between him and AD yeah. not to get a win. Mm-hmm. I mean, but like what we talked about before, the difference between the Lakers and the Warriors was that the Lakers have a deeper bench, that they're more talented. So my thing is if the Laker is going to take it, that there's going to be other players who have to consistently step up. And that was um, Achimura. He did. I think they made the adjustment putting him on Jokic. And there was a point where even Jokic was like trying to post up and he kind of was just like, like, like really, he was actually like, really like, just like surprised, not even mm-hmm. like really trying to post him up when someone's fighting back, but like, hold up, I can't get position. Cause mm-hmm. he's, you know, he was pretty strong, but so he did that on the defensive end, but he also offensively, he had really, um, he made some good or some smart plays mm-hmm. as far as like getting to the rim and finishing and hitting some jump shots. So, um, I think. D'Lo was a little disappointing. I, as I've been watching him play on the Lakers, he's, you know, the, in general, the Lakers are inconsistent, but I think he is, for the most part, you know, he'll have some, some good jump shots, and then I'm like, okay, what else are you doing for the team? What else is happening? You know, you're causing turnovers. What, are you, what else are you doing? So, um, I mean, I, I don't want to uh, – I know you're a Warriors fan. We will save Warriors. We have the whole summer. We will talk about it. But quickly – I think Russell is like Jordan Poole. They oh. completely different play styles, okay. but that similar idea. Sure. Benefit of the Lakers, Russell doesn't have it. You're like, you're done. Yeah. Warriors needed Poole. So that, mm. yeah, we'll end the Warriors stuff there. But I think, okay. yeah, that's, that's Russell for you. Like, if he's going to hit five threes and make his, like, his little post up yeah. jumpers, yeah. then great. And I mean, he like, there'll be two games where he does, and hopefully they win those games. Then times he's not cool. Bring in Schroeder, Schroeder, play Lonnie Walker more. So, yeah, like you guys have a deep bench, but I think that's what frustrates me is because you have a deep bench, like everybody get their energy, everybody find like, find, you know, like be able to score, do something for your team. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's why I like Austin Reeves so much because he's, he's pretty consistent as far as like showing up. Yeah. And I think that's why going back to the Nuggets really quick, I think that's why Everybody really likes the Nuggets yeah. from the outside. Really good team. Yeah, because they're very well balanced. Mm-hmm. And Jokic is amazing. Nothing, not to take away mm-hmm. from him. But the, the whole team just, it's not that they're just talented one through five. It's that they're talented in the right ways. Like, this isn't a super team where they have five really good right, players. Right. They have, like, five really good players for their role. So it's yeah. like They know their role well. Like, Gordon well. knows mm-hmm. what he's there to do. Mm-hmm. Of course, Jamal Murray, he's there, you know, kind of their second scorer. Even Caldwell Pope, like, he was making, like, it seemed like every three up until the end. Like, he's the perfect role player. Porter Jr. Yeah, Porter Jr., he mm-hmm. knows what he's there for. And then they play only a couple guys off the bench, but they know what their job is. Yeah. So, to me, that's why it, it makes them good, mm-hmm. really good, and why they're probably the favorites to win it all mm-hmm. is because they just, yeah, they play this, this unselfish team basketball. Obviously, starting with Jokic, but yeah, like everybody can do something. And I wasn't, I, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but you know, fourth quarter Lakers, you know, the um, they're only leading by what, like 
I think it was at five at one point. And, you know, you, your, your best player, you're expecting them to have, have the ball and do something. But I think anytime I seen Jokic have the ball with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, he was looking to dish. And I think that I was like, whoa, okay, like this is different. This is the different style that I'm used to, right? Watching other teams, you're like, okay, LeBron's going to have the ball. Stephen Curry is going to have the ball. They're going to make something happen. And I think he was looking to make something happen for his teammates. Um, and I think that's something that the, the Lakers do have to do better next time. They have to kind of control his assists as much as yeah. possible. Yeah, we were talking about that before. That it seems like if you were going to limit one, now it's different if, if Hachimura is playing on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, whether it's Hachimura or AD, like if you just let him go one on one, like he's going to shoot great most games. Will he shoot as amazing as he did today? Probably not, but he's going to he's going to get his points. Right. But if that's it, that's might be the game plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how many how often he scores back to the basket. I, I feel like he does it selectively. Yeah. Like I feel like anytime he wants to, he just like even like seemed like Hachimura was putting up a good fight. But right. It seems like even him, like anybody who wanted, he could just like bang, 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 to. bang and, and yeah. score. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he, he, he'll do that if he's like, okay, we need some, you know, I'm just going to score. Um, but I think most often he's looking to dish. Like if he's posting up, he's looking for better position to, to get an easy bucket. I mean, to get an easy bucket for his teammates. So someone's backdooring if they're not playing defense on the weak side. So um, I think the Lakers will make that adjustment. Like you said, they have a good coaching staff. But I think that, um, yeah, that was surprising to see. Like, I'm like, whoa, here's this, like, your number one scorer. And his first thing is, like, I'm dishing. Yeah, and that's always been, I want to say the, like, if you talk to Jokic haters, or not even Jokic haters, guys who are, like, who don't think Jokic is, you know, that quality Mm -hmm. of player. I think that's what they would point to, is that because he's non-traditional, like, even, like, Embiid, Mm-hmm. Like he's a center, but like he has the ball mm-hmm. is when it comes down to crunch time, especially like in playoffs. Can you be the one that says, okay, like it's playoff time, a few minutes left. Mm, like we need a bucket now. Yeah. Can you get it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the last few years they haven't done well. And people point to that. You're like, yep, the great regular season player. He wins the MVPs, like whatever. Come playoff time. He's not good. When in reality, it's, has put up crazy stats in the playoffs. His team has just been really bad. But now that's why I think there's a lot of pressure on him mm-hmm. to win this year. Because mm-hmm. at some point, like if the Lakers win the series, which, you know, could happen, very mm-hmm. well could happen. Mm-hmm. He's going to put up amazing stats and, and it's not going to be on him. But at some point, you have to deliver. Like in this, mo- like in this game, he had... He had those one the the free throws late, yeah. when Hachimura was there, and then he mm-hmm. kind of got by and, and Davis fouled him. Like he had that, but other than that, the fourth quarter, like last few minutes, when the Lakers are making this mad dash, like the Nuggets' offense wasn't as good as it was. Yeah. So credit to the Lakers' defense, but that's gonna have to change if they're gonna win. Yeah, they weren't finishing as well in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, maybe it is credit to their defense. Maybe it, you know shots just weren't falling, but. I like, and th- that's what I'm saying is like, okay, so how are they gonna like w- what's gonna happen? Because Jokic is very, we talked about it, he's very selective in the way that he decides what he wants to do with the ball offensively. And most go getters, like best players, they're not, they're d- 
they're one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the basket. I'm going to score. This is what's going to happen. And so, you know, that could be a disadvantage for him with the Lakers, right? Like, especially if they're going to be neck and neck like this. Like, I, comp- I compare him to, like, Luca, right? Completely. So, well, not compare. Like, not in their similar, but to me, complete opposites of, like, Jokic's this like he's going to be like obviously he has the ball a lot but it's a lot of ball movement getting guys involved Luca has the ball like every single possession mm-hmm. for most of the possession mm-hmm. and obviously gets his teammates involved has a lot of assists but it's more you know LeBron style like LeBron and Luca are similar like like I'm gonna have the ball a lot and then like I'll make a, make a great pass they'll make the shot yeah great and it's all yeah. right I think the benefit of, of Jokic's approach is first first quarter, second quarter, you know, all that time. When you're getting like Caldwell Pope involved, when you're getting Porter some open shots, like right. they fall, which is why you need that. Why they're great. Mm-hmm. But then like as a role player, you're like you're getting open shots, like you're getting your rhythm, your confidence is back. Versus like other role players with stars that don't necessarily get them the ball as much. Then you're like, you're not in a rhythm. You don't have confidence. Like the Suns are a good example. Like Booker and Durant had the ball. Yeah. Then they're like, okay, let, like here, like try to make this shot. And uh, yeah. So that's good. But then the other side of the coin is when it really matters in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, like Caldwell Pope had a wide open three. It doesn't go in. Mm-hmm. Like those are going to go in a lot. Mm-hmm. But if I'm a Lakers fan, I'd way rather have Caldwell Pope shooting a three than Jokic shooting. So. Yes, and it takes five players on the court to do something, right? That's what we saw the Warriors struggle with. There wasn't that. No. You had your two shooters, sorry, maybe one in the last last two games, right? So now that you have that, right, it does take five people. And I think on the opposite of that side of that, sure, I'd rather have Pope take the shot than Jokic. But if you're not going to guard Pope, <laughs> more than likely that shot's probably going to go in, right? Or be yeah. open because you're not guarding him, right? All the attention is on Jokic. So if like if I if you're playing enough and building enough chemistry, that does transfer and energy does transfer to your teammates. That's the whole point of like being like in un and in, in unity with your team. Yeah. So I think it's like, yeah, like, you know, they're looking for Jokic, right? But I think that's what's hard for the Lakers is that Jokic is looking for his teammates. Yeah. Or he can, I think he can, if needed, take that shot. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not doubting him at all. Like, I'm, he can do whatever he wants mm-hmm. at any time. But I, I, I think, yes, you need five players. And, it, like, that's the Nuggets approach versus the Lakers approach is, I mean, I guess I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but there's, the Lakers have their specific game plan, especially when it gets down to it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, LeBron and AD, a lot of times it's LeBron, we're going to find a switch, get you on a smaller player, score. Like, we know that's going to work. Right. As long as LeBron cooperates and doesn't take a three when he doesn't have to. (laughs) But he's a little salty. Yeah. I mean, again, I wasn't totally expecting a win, so I can't be totally mad. But you sure you're a Lakers fan? Game one, (laughs) I knew the Nuggets were going to come out good. Uh, but like LeBron taking, you know, we're down three and LeBron takes a three when Murray's guarding him. Yeah. We, you know, you've had success driving against him. Yeah, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to get into too much detail. 
Yeah, I forgot my point. What was I saying before that? Um, I, oh, I, so, again, two sides of the coin, two different ways of, of looking at it. Like, the Lakers, like, they know what they're doing. It's very, like, this is what we're at. And then defensively, they kind of do the same thing, just opposite. They, like, not Caldwell Pope because he's a good shooter, but, like, Aaron Gordon or, like, what they did to the Warriors last series. It's like, okay, like, we're going to give Gary Payton open threes. We're going to give Draymond whatever threes he wants. Mm-hmm. Problem is the Nuggets don't really have those weaknesses. No. If some, like Gordon, not a great shooter. So they're going to give him shots and, and some of the others. Um, but I think that will be interesting because I would assume all of this series will be down to the wire. So I think the fourth quarters are going to be really interesting to me. Yeah, I think with the Lakers, that I don't see a point in them slacking off on defense to be able to really stay in in this series like I think if you're the number one defensive team in the NBA like I don't see there's a reason for you to slack off um especially again like there's much more consistency in shooting with the other team or sorry with the Nuggets than they yeah. than they had with the last series so and I and you saw that like I saw LeBron he started to guard um different players that weren't like they're the two scorers Maria mm-hmm. and Jokic and then Reeves was also I saw him like really on Michael Jr. Um, Michael Porter Jr., sorry. Like, they, they're realizing, yeah, we got to play, we got to play solid defense. Mm-hmm. They're transition defense. Jokic, they're let really me tell bad. you right now, Jokic is not fast. And if Jokic is beating AD down the court, going coast to coast, that, the, the, that needs to change. Yeah. <laughs> but he's going to push it. Like, he's going to push it. He's going to look for his teammates or he's going to do, so- he's going to make something happen. So if you're not running back on defense, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you, right? Like th- that has to change. Not exactly the best <laughs> of that. Uh, and I think that's well part of the reason why they're the number one defense here in the playoffs because they get so many free throws, and so then you can set your defense because you're just getting free throws. You make free throws, you can set your defense versus like you're missing a bunch of shots. And constantly having to run back in, in transition, mm-hmm. like that's gonna be key. So like they started to get to the line more in the second half. Yeah, and that's gonna be big. Although, the Nuggets seem to flop just as much as the Lakers did. I saw that. Yeah, so, I I would agree saying. that there's. I mean, I think it's. I think learned. it's a problem. Yeah, the it's NBA, a, we so. talked about this as a learned behavior in the NBA. Um, but yeah, they weren't getting to the line. They weren't getting to the line as much. Um but I also think they have people who can guard them better than the other team that they played Warriors. So Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, yeah, the Nuggets are better than the Warriors. I don't think that's a hard thing to say. So I think for series. me it is because yeah. my team lost. Yeah. So let's honor that. Well, sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank like, you. I think the Lakers are better than the Nuggets, but of course I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a good series. I think there will be lots to talk about in the offseason about defense. And what you can do as a defender and all the flopping and just stuff. Because mm-hmm. you can blame the refs and obviously they deserve some blame. But like, mm-hmm. like there's only so much they can do. Yeah. It's so really hard it's, to see. I mean, like when they do replays, I'm like, oh, man, like how could you not have seen that? But thank God for the replays, right? Because mm-hmm. if we're just calling it based upon what we see, everything would be a foul. <laughs> so if if Schroeder and the, the Steve Javi, the, the ref that they have on the mm-hmm. broadcast. If Schroeder's foul against Murray is foul. Right, right. I know. I, I, because we saw this. We saw like, Murray. Don't let that become a thing. Because if, if that's a foul, there's, this is going to be like 
just 140 to 140 every game. Yeah. We saw the same thing with Murray on LeBron on the opposite side. Like, yeah. he fouled him, obviously, by hitting his hand, but his arm was underneath his elbow. Like LeBron's arm, mm-hmm. and that's what they were calling the foul on. So, yeah, it's hard. I think I guess it's subjective. Um, and it's always I didn't see that. Well, that's kind of the issue. So yeah, kind of need to. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be a good series. Uh, Celtics Heat tomorrow. Anything you're looking forward to? Jimmy Butler. I love his style of play. I'm looking to see what he does. He reminds me in the similar way of like, not necessarily like Jokic, but it's just like. He doesn't step up unless he needs to. Um, so I think it's op- a little bit opposite of, of Jokic, but he's looking for his teammates to be mm-hmm. like great. And he's looking for his teammates to do things, but he knows when to turn it on and to like mm-hmm. get it going. Um, Tatum has been doing pretty well, so it's going to be nice to see like him play. But I'm rooting for the Heat. Not sure how far they will get, but I'm always down for an underdog story. So. I mean, they weren't. They were supposed to get blown up by the Bucks, right? I think the Knicks were favored over them, right? The Celtics are easily favored, so. so I mean, I'd be shocked that if they won, but again, I'm kind of rooting for them too. I agree that Butler, like, he didn't do much against the Knicks, relatively speaking, but he didn't really need to. Mm-hmm. Plus, he rolled his ankle. Like, I don't think he's 100, mm-hmm. percent but it wouldn't shock me if, like, he's, he he was saving it for this round. Sure, against the Celtics, like they went to seven games last year in the conference finals and again similar thing of like the heat were a better team then or last year but yeah jimmy butler like willed them all the way to game seven right at the end yeah he misses a shot right at the end if not they're in the finals so yeah there's something about the heat i don't know like yeah they are not good or were not good at all Mm -hmm. and yet here they are yeah, I mean, I think that speaks to, like, that's, like, every coach's dream, right? Like, the the hard work that you put in, right? Uh, sp- speaking of coaches, we talk a lot about coaches this episode. Eric Spolstra, who's the coach of the Heat, I think now is far and away the best coach mm-hmm. in the league. And he's somebody that, like, you've talked about Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. Like, will he leave? Will he stay? Like, should he stay? And, like, how you want to see him, like, after Curry leaves, yeah. after the dynasty. Yeah. Like, Spolstra is an example of, like when LeBron came to the Heat with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, like Spolstra was starting out, Heat don't do well, like everybody wants them fired. And then, of course, the Heat, you know, win a couple championships, James leaves, and now the Heat are good again mm-hmm. with obviously a less talented team than then. Mm-hmm. Obviously, lots of credit to Jimmy Butler and others, but like he's turned into like the best coach probably in the league now. Mm. So that's an example of. Like, yes, he won a couple of championships because he had LeBron. Yeah. But he's also a really good coach. So it can go both ways. Yeah. Now it can be the opposite. You, your best players leave and then you realize you're not a great coach. But I think he is an yeah, example. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, that's really true. Like, how much work do coaches really have to do when you have solid yeah. players? Yeah, like Steve Kerr, those years they had Durant. Yeah. I'm not saying I could have coached them, but like, <laughs> I I think them winning last year helped his case too. Sure. Yeah. When it's just Curry it didn't, and, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just with KD, but um, yeah. I mean, I guess I am excited for the Celtics and the Heat. I just I hope it's a good series. I don't have confidence that it will be. That's just where Miami wants you, though. Yeah, that's where they want us to be. Um. I know everyone's looking for the Lakers versus Celtics. Um, I think either in the final way, like Lakers, Celtics, obviously, 
Lakers Heat, like rematch of the bubble. I would really love to see the Nuggets Heat because I just think that they have similar style of play <laughs> in in the fact or sorry, their team dynamics are pretty pretty similar. True. And so it would just be fun just to watch that. Um and they're different. They're not the the big teams. Yeah. And so I'm always, you know, as a coach and a basketball player, I want to see good basketball, not I'm not in it for the, you know, for what is it called? Just fans and, you know, I don't care about that. I want to see good basketball. I want to see the best team win who's worked their butts off. So, but yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting if it gets there. Yeah. Even I, Nuggets Celtics, I think would be exciting for me. I'm trying to think if it's not the Lakers, Nuggets Celtics <laughs> would be fun. It's really hard for you to think that way, huh? Yeah, I'm still. Well, I, I, you know. I had to get used to that since the Warriors were, were out. Fair. I'll get there. Uh, game one tomorrow for the Celtics Heat. So we'll learn more then. And then is it at Celtics? Uh, yeah. Uh, of course Miami it is. Was of course it probably is. Like 20 wins behind. I don't know. Probably not that far, but in the regular season. But yeah. And then I think Boston had the better record than Denver. I believe. I'd have to look at that. But that means if they met, then Boston would get home court. So if Nuggets and if it's Nuggets ah. or Lakers, so Boston has home court. No matter what, like they have home court in this series, they'll have home court in the finals if they win. And then Denver, and then I think if the Lakers make it and the Heat make it, the Lakers might have home court, which is crazy to say, because <laughs> then it would be a seven seed and an eight seed. Oh, okay, which I'm sure has never happened. <laughs> like that's. Yeah. I think la- my last thought is. If the Celtics go to the finals again and don't win, there has to be adjustments. Like, it, I just think that the reason I, I have issues with the Celtics is because I just feel like they're pretty stagnant. They have solid players, mm-hmm. but I don't see the same chemistry or, like, team yeah. dynamics that I do with the Nuggets or, or the Heat. Yeah. And I think that's what they really, really are missing, like, to really finish it and take it. Yeah, I agree. Um. So I think if they make it to another finals and lose, something has to change. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think they're the most talented team. Left. Outside of, wait, wait, wait. Outside of the Lakers? Maybe. <laughs> uh, it's close. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. They don't, something's not quite yeah, right. Yeah, something's not, something's not hitting they're, they're the similar, way they should. They're similar to the Lakers and, and the Warriors, obviously, that are no longer here. No longer with us. Rest in peace. Oh my gosh. Um, but in the fact that, like, the Nuggets, they're always just, they're the, they're the Nuggets. Like, they're good. They're solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah, the Celtics, like, they'll look amazing. Yeah. And you're like, yep, mm-hmm. they're best team. Yeah. They're going to win it all. And then times they're, like, just like you said, stagnant. Yeah. So it's like, hmm, this isn't. And that's kind of like Tatum. Like, he scores 51 in game seven. You're like, okay, like, he needs to be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then other times he's, like, just like another guy. It's like, what's going on? But I think if they don't win, like, they're still young, mm-hmm. but at some point, like, you need to win when you have the chance. So oh, they yeah. can't be like, oh, yeah, we're young, we'll be back. Yeah. Like, these are two big years they could have won. The two really, yeah, really, really big years. Next year, Wembenyama is coming and Spurs are going to win it all. <laughs> Kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, game one tomorrow. Game two, Lakers Warriors on Thursday. Woohoo. Uh, yeah. Lakers Warriors? <laughs> Yeah, 
Warriors in the West. <laughs> yeah, nice try. Uh, game two, Lakers Nuggets on Thursday. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be back this weekend. Will we? <laughs> uh, yeah, recapping all those games. WNBA starts this weekend as well. So Saturday. Does it start Saturday? Well, that's we will be at the Aces versus Storms yeah, games true. in our season ticket seats. True. So I'm we got excited. that too. So busy week coming up. Um, but thanks for coming on today, late at night, and we will talk this weekend. Bye. That will do it for the episode. Thanks to Marlish for coming on today. Uh, we will be back this weekend. Uh, going over more NBA stuff breaking down all the, the conference finals matchups, both the, the Lakers and Nuggets and the Celtics Heat. So make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you this weekend.